With Lincoln Riley at USC, we all expect they'll be able to recruit elite high school offensive talent. But what about the defense? What could they bring in on that side of the ball? Plus some recruiting good news for UCLA and Colorado. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching this show. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts and we're talking heavy recruiting today and who else would we bring on for recruiting talk than john garcia jr the director of recruiting for sports illustrated and a recurring guest here on the show john good to have you back as always i'm, I'm actually technically in pac-12 country for the first that's time right. since we actually started doing these so <laughs> yeah, yes i'm happy to quote unquote be home that's that is very very true. John is live from uh, a hotel in Las Vegas right now, covering that uh, overtime seven on seven uh, tournament that that's going on down there. Plenty of big time names, including some from the Pac-12. But I, I want to start today with USC, and you bring in a coach like Lincoln Riley. He's been college football's quarterback whisperer and offensive guru for the last four seasons during his tenure with the Oklahoma Sooners. He's got three guys starting in the NFL. Caleb Williams is probably going to be a fourth here in a couple years. They score a lot of points. They've had good running backs, receivers, tight ends have been very good as well. Guys like Mark Andrews. So I, I think on that side of the ball, even with the offensive line as well, I expect them to be able to recruit high level offensive talent. But what, what about the other side of the ball? As you look at USC with defensive coordinator Alex Grinch, who comes with Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, what do you expect from a recruiting standpoint for the Trojans on defense? They're still trying to dig their heels in, right? I mean, this is, this is an uphill battle, as you mentioned. Uh, they can recruit offensive skill talent in particular as well as any program in the country. And in this class of 2023, they may have the best early sample of skill position talent on the offensive side of the ball, but certainly – you need more defensive prospects. There are two DBs verbally committed, both safety projections at this point, and they're going to stay in the mix uh, for a bevy of top-tier defensive recruits, but you got to land them, right? It's USC. You can't just be a hat on the table. You have to be the hat that is selected. So you mentioned Alex Grinch. He's got uh, Now he's got chops recruiting at Ohio State, of course, at Oklahoma, most recently with Lincoln Riley. Now he's out west, an aggressive defensive coordinator that really emphasizes the pass rush. That's certainly a step in the right direction. I actually thought Riley's decision to retain Dante Williams in the secondary was one of the better decisions any coach made during the offseason. Uh, you know, last year, Dante had USC in the mix with really great prospects, even though everyone out there realized uh, that this thing was was a lame duck, uh, you know, interim coach situation, yet and still you know, USC was able to hold on to some pretty big time recruits uh, and, and he was rewarded uh, with that spot on Lincoln Riley's staff. So uh, Dante's going to keep uh, USC in it for DBs on the West Coast in particular. I thought Sean Nua was a good addition coming over from Michigan. He has a ton of ties on the West Coast. So I do think that there's the potential 
for USC to become more balanced in, in the type of talent that it's bringing in. Uh, but but you still got to go do it uh, locally, nationally, kind of the whole deal. You know, USC has to check all those boxes, not just one or two. But they, they do have a relatively young and successful coaching staff of, of recruiters at, at various positions. So I do think that it's going to happen. Um, it just hasn't happened quite yet in this class of 2023. But there's there's some big-time kids coming to campus in the next week or two. And one of the guys that they're you know certainly excited about going forward is Domani Jackson, a five-star DB, You know maybe one of the guys that you were alluding to there. But there are several that they're pursuing. And it's not as if USC in the last couple of years hasn't brought in any talent on the defensive side of the ball. You look at a guy like Corey Foreman, who's on the roster. I think the Trojans are hoping that he can, you know, really pop into the caliber of player that, that we all thought he was going to be when he came out of high school. But when you look at those, you know, big time five-star recruits on the defensive side of the ball, it's not what Lincoln Riley was known for. When you look at his recruiting chops at Oklahoma, which isn't to say he didn't have some good players. They had to, I forget the name of the corner who's with the Seahawks right now, and I'm a Seahawks fan. I should probably know that. But anyway, I forgot his name. But you look at a guy like Kenneth Murray as well. They've had a couple other players. But are those the sorts of guys coming out of high school that that you expect Alex Grinch to be able to bring in the big five-star recruits on the defensive side of the ball who are also considering an Alabama or a Georgia? Well, there's one right in their backyard that if you had to kind of identify, hey, this is a must-get recruit for USC, it's a kid from St. John Bosco, Bellflower, California, California, I should say. It's, it's Mateo Uyangalale, you know, the younger brother of DJ. Uh, he's got a group of schools that is evolving high on his list, and USC has been steadfast uh, in this recruitment. Uh, and, and it is involving, like you said, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. Clemson, of course, in that conversation. So that's the kind of high-profile recruitment that they need to win. I mean, there's really no other way to, to spin this, right? You know, it's it's great to go out of the state and out of the region and flex that, that national USC muscle. And look, they will, right, in this class. A lot of these visitors in the next couple of weeks, well out of state. Tackett Curtis, the linebacker, Anthony Hill, another big-time linebacker prospect. Malik Bryant's from Orlando, one of the premier pass rushers. They're doing it on the national scale, but you, you kind of got to start at home, and there's no bigger fish defensively in the state of California, uh, in my opinion, uh, than Mateo uh, Uyangalale, who, again, is, is a monster pass rusher, a guy who probably can project on the interior to maybe pair with a Corey Foreman down the line. I mean, that's something that you, you need to prioritize and and win there in the end that combination of riley grinch nua in particular uh has usc uh in in solid position here look i, I spoke to his dad uh david Uyangalale uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and he said you know the previous staff at usc not so great but this one has really hit the ground running in terms of the consistency of communication the effort uh the repeatability uh th that is all trending up for the trojans the problem is some of the other schools that we mentioned have also gotten him on campus and, and they are starting to feel pretty good as well, particularly Clemson and Ohio State. So that's something to watch uh, certainly going forward. But but again, you can't just be in the game. You, you've got to win these these recruitments in particular. Yeah, and California is a state that has got so much talent and there's been a lot of defensive talent coming out of there in recent years. A lot of it, unfortunately for USC, is been going elsewhere, whether that's to Oregon or to Alabama or Clemson came in and got DJ, of course. I'm sure they'll be in 
hot pursuit of his brother, who, as you mentioned, is a big-time recruit. There's one more USC question that I want to ask you, but first I remind you that this episode is brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, news and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, Go Mariners, and, of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online is where the game starts. This episode also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need, save time and money. When using Rock Auto, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, they've got everything you need, and their prices are reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. That other question I wanted to ask you about USC, and this can be on the offensive side or the defensive side as the Trojans look for their first full cycle in the class of 2023 with Lincoln Riley and the new staff. What do you think their biggest priority should be from a position group standpoint? Is there one that stands out the most to you? It's the trenches. I would say on both sides of the ball, I think O-line and D-line recruiting uh, is something that has to be addressed uh, nearly immediately. And we obviously just highlighted Uyango Lale, uh, but there's a lot of other prospects up front on both sides that the Trojans need to uptick for right you know you've got just two defensive commitments right now they're both skill prospects as we mentioned and then if you look at the portal prowess of the trojans over the last you know six months or so a lot of skill position players once again you mentioned caleb williams mario williams guys like that uh and then even on defense a lot of back seven players were brought in latrell mccutcheon shane lee from alabama Uh, again guys who can run and flash and all that which is great but you still need to establish the trenches. You know, Oregon and Utah are, are in the Pac-12, and they're, they're not going anywhere. Washington has flashed that upfront ability in years past. Stanford is certainly known for that uh, from a historical perspective. So in order to win the Pac-12, which is, you know, it's crazy to say out loud, but that's the next step for USC, right? I mean, everyone's galvanized and understands this is a huge hire, and, and it's all going to theoretically change. But, you know, it's not like there are a couple guys away from a national title, I think. You got to get back uh, to the Pac-12 crown uh, first, uh, where where that's obviously eluded USC over the last few years. So you got to start in the trenches for me. Uh, It's a war of attrition in college football. We all know that. There's only more games being scheduled uh, year in, year out. Uh, So you just need depth and talent up front. And and right now, I think that's that's got to be the priority for USC because you've got all the skill position talent, again, particularly on offense. That, that you're going to need, you know, even beyond uh, 2022. So you got to focus more on the trenches and start landing some of these big guys. Well, they just missed out on one, and we don't know where Jaden Wayne is going yet, but he was considering a couple of Pac-12 schools, both Washington and USC, as well as Oregon. Now the Ducks are still in the mix, but the Trojans and the Huskies are out in his latest round of, of trimming down the list. And, th- and that's been an unfortunate trend for Pac-12 teams in, in the last several years, really the last decade or so when you're talking about recruiting is not keeping the talent that you do have home all the time. And so Jaden Wayne is now looking at Alabama. I think he's looking at Georgia as well as LSU in the mix. Uh, yep. And and Oregon Michigan is State. in there. Yeah. And, and Penn State. So 
there are a lot of schools going after him, but Wayne is from the state of Washington, so the Huskies miss another big-time in-state recruit. And USC, I'm I'm really surprised. I don't know about you, John, that the Trojans were not in the next round of cut. I would have thought USC had a better chance uh, of staying in the race longer at the very least than, than Penn State did. But what do you make of Jaden Wayne booting two West Coast schools off of his list? Yeah, I thought USC and Oregon would both make this cut down to, to the top six. I did think Washington was was starting to slip in this recruitment, mainly because he's an incredibly well-traveled kid. He's been to all of these campuses uh, and all but Michigan State more than once, right? So all of those top six schools, he's already been to two, three, four times. He's named Alabama his leader. So there was already a lot of traction beyond that Pac-12 footprint. So you knew it was going to be a small-ish number once he dropped that list, but I didn't think it was going to be just one. Uh, I would have picked Oregon if it was going to be just one, and that's what happened, but I'm a little surprised to see USC miss that cut. Uh, unfortunately for Washington fans, I'm not surprised to see the dogs miss that cut because it did seem like he was ready to leave, given how well-traveled he was uh, and how high he was on Oregon, honestly. I mean, I thought that was kind of a, a telltale sign of, of where this, this Wayne recruitment could be headed, at least from a national perspective. But yeah, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, uh, kind of the mainstays in SEC country. And then Michigan State recently got him on campus for the first time, I believe two weekends ago. Uh, and the first impression was really strong. I believe it was an unofficial visit. Uh, so there's talk that he might return to East Lansing for an official visit. Uh, and, and everyone understands that Mel Tucker's recruiting at a high level, both at the high school level and, and certainly through the transfer portal uh, apexing last year with a ton of success uh, in the Big Ten. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a, a weird situation for the Pac-12. Oregon is, is the lone uh, flag holder there in Wayne's recruitment. Um, and so obviously, you know, there's there's odds elsewhere uh, for him to, to really leave the entire footprint in the end. But he's not ready to make a commitment. He's still taking visits. He's still going through the process. Uh, so, you know, it, it should be noted that things can change in relatively short order. And just so we're not confusing, or I should say, just so I'm not confusing people, it's Michigan State, not Penn State, right? Yes, Michigan gotcha, State. Gotcha, gotcha. So what do you think the chances are that, that the Ducks are able to land him and he ultimately does stay in the Pac-12? It's tough. You know, he's publicly, he called Alabama his leader, I think, a few months ago. He recently was back on campus and reaffirmed that that status, that everyone's chasing Alabama in this race, uh, at least right now. Uh, but but you hear him talk about really all of these schools, and, and he lights up to to a very high degree. Oregon now has you know the local angle for him. Uh, obviously, the Nike deal, the Tosh Lupoi Dan Lanning connection, all of that is is really strong for Oregon's case. He, he already kind of labels them as family, uh, that, that which is not the case at, at some of these other programs that that he's still building relationships with. He's still learning a lot about. That is not the case with Oregon. So if it comes down to familiarity and, and things like that, you do have to feel better about the Ducks' chances. But, uh, you know, we got to trust what they say too, right? And, and right now he says Alabama is his leader, and that's kind of been the case since the year turned over to, to 2022. So until that starts to change, it's, it's hard to imagine him staying in that Pac-12 footprint. But obviously, again, this timeline is somewhat flexible, and there's still time for moves to be made um, one way or the other. 
It's always tough to recruit against the Alabamas and LSUs and Georgias. It's never, it's never easy, is it? I, I bet you they're doing that on, on purpose, making it tough on, on some West Coast schools. But one guy who, who's from the West Coast who did decide to stay out here is Roderick Robinson, the second, the running back, who looked like he might go join his teammates up at Oregon, but instead he goes to a school in the Pac-12. We'll talk about that after I remind you that we all love a good chewy chocolatey brownie. What if you put caramel on that, ate it, and then had 17 grams of protein? You're in luck because caramel bar- brownie bars are available at built.com right now. And you got to act fast because they're a fan favorite. Forget about dessert. They're better. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only four grams of sugar. Go to built.com, use promo code lock15, get 15% off your next order. That's promo code lock15 for 15% off at built.com. So out of Lincoln High School in the San Diego area, Roderick Robinson, you know, might have been impacted a little bit. You might you might think by the the commitment or at least verbally of Dante Dowdell going to Oregon in the class of 2023. And, you know, his teammates, Jalil Tucker and Florence, you know, are up with the Ducks. But ultimately, he decides to go to UCLA and join Chip Kelly and his staff there, uh, a revamped coaching staff, by the way, they have a new offensive coordinator, not by choice, and they have a new defensive coordinator by choice, a replacement that is long, long overdue. But what do you make of Robinson committing to UCLA? What what kind of player is he? Uh, this is an instant impact recruit, uh, really no matter where he went, because he's built like an NFL running back right now, 6'1", 230 pounds, extremely impressive uh, up front uh, or on the hoof, I should say broad-shouldered kid who who plays like it too you know some of these guys you know they say he's uh you know built like tarzan plays like jane that's a very old school and probably outdated <laughs> saying in recruiting but this is not the case for Roderick robinson you know politically correct or not uh this is a guy who you know plays like tarzan too big physical downhill cat uh but he's he's not just a runner he's really comfortable uh in space uh, he's a very capable pass catcher Obviously, with that frame and, and that lower body ability, you expect him to eventually be able to block uh, from the running back position, which is an ever important uh, trait that running backs need to possess. Uh, so this is a, a kind of an all around balanced type of running back, even though he profiles like a big physical, you know, short yardage type that's that's selling him a bit short in my mind. And that's why his recruitment really kind of went crazy over the last few months, right? You mentioned um, Oregon was involved, UCLA, of course. uh, And then a lot of SEC schools jumped in. Auburn got him on campus. Tennessee got him on campus. Georgia offered like a week before he committed. Uh, So there was talk that maybe he was going to pause and and take a trip down to Athens and and really start to vet the the whole national scale of, of his offer list. But he ended up taking an official visit to UCLA, uh, which, by the way, has really done well running the football. Zach Charbonnet last year was one of the better transfer pickups, um, and, and Chip Kelly has always wanted to run the football. So that's that's kind of because of maybe because of DTR and the perception of UCLA football and, and Chip Kelly to a degree that gets forgotten in the conversation a little bit. But uh, they were able to run the ball very successfully, and I expect that again in 22. And, and I guess now in 23 with Roderick Robinson on board, I do think he's the type of guy – you can give the rock to day one on a college football campus. Uh, So really, really important get for Chip Kelly. We talk about perception in recruiting all the time and how with USC in town, we just talked about it, how they're going to recruit. So nationally, UCLA's got to recruit 
home. California kids go down to Arizona, go down to Vegas and dominate those areas. And so far, all four verbal commitments uh, for the Bruins, I believe, are from the state of California early on in this class of 2023. So we're, we're kind of getting that juxtaposition between the national program and the regional program, but both can find ways to have success like we see all over the country. I think if you talk to Oregon fans about, you know, Chip's four years in Eugene, they will uh, emphatically tell you he wanted to run the ball first and foremost. And that was the basis of basically everything they did. And, and the way that his his schematical approach to a football game looks is a little bit different, but the philosophy is still the same. He wants to run, 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 and then hit you with a heavy play action pass. And, you know, one thing that, that's different, for Chip Kelly, I think from when he was at Oregon now, are the sorts of backs that he brings in. I mean, this is not the sort of guy, you know, you think back to the, the Oregon teams he had. Sure, there was a LeGarrette Blunt, but, you know, when he threw that punch against Boise State and was suspended, it was a little Michael James Kenyon Barner show. And that is probably the most prolific Oregon running back tandem in the history of the Ducks. And then you brought DeAnthony Thomas into the mold. And so I think they're you know, might still be a lingering perception of that's the sort of back that he wants, but he's had such great success with Zach Charbonnet and Britton Brown behind him, by the way, Mm -hmm. who came over from Duke was excellent running the football. And those are both bigger, bulkier backs. And I think getting a guy like Robinson represents, you know, the way he has changed his philosophy of running the football. Because we've seen it with his offensive linemen too. His Oregon offensive linemen back in the day were smaller. They were more nimble and they could, you know, pull – and run to the outside and sideline to sideline because that's what they were doing. But now I think he's, you know, more committed to the, the big, physical, grinded out offensive lineman. He'll still pull them from time to time, but not nearly as often I think as he did back in the early 2010s in, in his heyday with the Ducks. Let's move to our, our final topic of the day, which which is a fascinating one. I think it's tough to recruit at, at Colorado. I, I do. You don't have a ton of talent in your backyard. They have not had a lot of success as a football program in this century. They haven't had really any success since the 90s. They've had a couple 10-win seasons, but literally a couple since uh, the the turn of the century, just two. The last came in in that 2016 season when they got to the Pac-12 championship game with, uh, I believe, Steven Montez was their quarterback that year. But right now, and, and there's a long way to go, They've got 10 verbal commitments in the class of 2023, which is more than anybody in the conference. Will that last? Yeah, probably not. But still, it's it's a lot, and it's noticeable for Colorado. So I, I want to ask you two questions about this. Of the 10 verbal commitments to the Buffaloes right now, how many do you expect to, to end up signing with Colorado once the early signing period of the National Signing Day comes around? Of the 10 that verbally said, I'm going to play football in Colorado? I'm going to say all 10, because why not? <laughs> Look, it's, it's, it is very early, like you said, Spencer, the, the offseason, the camp circuit is, is literally day-to-day right now. Camps are going on all over the country. We're here in Vegas for a, a non-college football event, but it's going to have a lot of attention and eyeballs on it with, with you know hundreds of great players. So people are upping their stock literally day by day. So it, it is a little naive to say all 10 are going to stick with Colorado, but they jumped on board early for a reason. And I do think that they're, they weren't the most coveted prospects in the first place. And, and that's, a, that's okay if you're that coaching staff uh, up in Boulder because you have to trust your own evaluations if you're going to push and build against the grain, which as you laid out, Spencer, 
that's what Colorado is is up against. So to have the biggest class in the Pac-12 right now is a really big deal. You do have a quarterback committed within that group and, and Ryan Staub from California, a good prospect, dual threat. You know, he ran for six touchdowns last year. Uh, interesting skill set there. So you've got a quarterback to kind of be the peer recruiter, run all the group chats, keep everybody engaged and involved. All of those little things that we don't talk enough about in recruiting. Uh, so I do think they're going to be able to hold on to most, if not all, 10 of these guys. And, and what's interesting about this commitment list, taking a look earlier, Spencer, was 10 verbal commitments, as you said, only one from Colorado. And then the guys who are from beyond the footprint, there's a lot of brand name high school programs being represented, right? You've got a receiver, Ryan Harge uh, from St. Thomas Aquinas down in South Florida. You've got a Seattle O'Day prospect verbally committed. You've got a Mission Viejo prospect verbally committed. So this is not just a you know, regional or yeah, Colorado went to the middle of nowhere to grab some players. You know, they're going to, to big metros uh, with, with plenty of, of college football opportunities, uh, regional uh, or local, I should say, to those, to those metro areas. And they're winning some, some early battles. So I, I do like the conviction of Colorado staff to be able to go out and do that ahead of, of some other teams doing it. Uh, and, yeah, other schools are going to catch up in the Pac-12. It's, it's going to happen. It's happening as we speak uh, right now. Uh, but it is notable that Colorado's got this bulk uh, together, and it's kind of a national class, which, again, is not something we talk about with that program. Yeah, recruiting, definitely a, a 24-7, 365 affair. You have to be on it at all times. And I think it's you know credit to the work that that staff is putting in because when you're off of a 4-8 and eight season at a program that's had eight losing campaigns in their last 10 tries, you have to do, I, I think, way, way more than other schools have to just to to get those sorts of players, even if they're not, you know, the most coveted recruits in the country, they're still solid looking players who are coming from legit high schools. I have to shout out O'Day in, in the Seattle area. That's where my cousins went to high school. So I, I know that there have been a lot of good players out there and St. Thomas Aquinas as well, like going all over the place. But the other thing I wanted to ask you about Colorado is what are the areas where you think, they can succeed because there's not an outrageous amount of talent in their backyard. You'll have a good player every now and then Christian McCaffrey came out of the state of Colorado. Of course he ended up going to Stanford, but you know, it's not a, a California or Texas power historically, or it's not even, you know, a Washington or an Arizona, which I see as kind of like burgeoning recruiting States. I think I use that word correctly. I don't know. English is weird, but you know, those are States that are not historically that big, but are starting to send out more and more talent. So where do you feel Colorado really could capitalize on the trail? Well, look, I, when I talk Colorado with people, uh, they, I get big 12 questions and, and they lump them into to the big 12 still. So why not Texas? Why not that whole region of the country, that Texas, Louisiana corridor that a lot of programs rely on, Colorado can go down there and find niche players. And right now, of these 10 verbal commitments, a third of them are from the state of Texas. It's, it's actually the state most well-represented on this verbal commitment list right now. So tapping into those old Big 12 roots, I don't think is the worst thing from a recruiting perspective. We've talked about, you know, over the last several years, the state of Texas is wide open, right? Texas, you know, the University of Texas isn't dominant. Texas A&M has been dominant on defense, but hasn't won on the field at that level. Um, so everyone feels like the door's open in that state to go in there and get great prospects. And that doesn't just relegate it down to, you know, Alabama and Ohio State, 
you know, going going out there, it's it's everyone. Everyone's going to have an opportunity uh, to dig in there. Um, and I think Colorado's taking advantage of that uh, quite well, obviously, tangibly thus far in, in 2023. So, yeah, I think that could be a niche uh, for Colorado. Stay, stay in the state of Texas. Stay in that Midlands region that you used to recruit so well when you know when you did win your last national title yeah television was grainy back then but it was in color at least (laughs) it's in color at least look always looking on the bright side john garcia jr director of recruiting for sports illustrated love the insight as always that's why we bring him on every single week talk to you next week john sounds good buddy thanks everybody for listening i'll see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day